You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles. I said Ephesians 5 because that's where we're going. That's where we're going to end up. But uh, it might take me a little while to get there. So you may need to turn to a few other spots. But if you want to mark your Bible there in Ephesians 5, that is our destination. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll get to that. I have the last three services, uh, Sunday services, Sunday morning, Sunday night last week, and then this morning, I've preached on the subject of love in the Bible. Uh, the first place where love is found, the first time love is mentioned in the Bible, it talks about Abraham and his love for his son Isaac. And that's a, a picture of God, the father, and his love for us that he would send his son. Uh, that's amazing to think that God would be willing to give his only begotten son for us. Now, you may feel like you're worthy of it. Well, friend, I don't. And if you're honest, uh, and if I'm honest with, uh, if we're honest with ourselves, uh, we're not worthy of anything. What we deserve is we deserve a place in hell. Uh, but that God would love us so much that he would devise a plan of redemption for us to be saved uh, through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And you say, Pastor, why do you always talk about salvation? Well, because I'm glad I'm saved. And uh, if you're here and you're not saved, you need to get saved. And if you are saved and you're not excited about it, you need to get right. That's the bottom line. I mean, if, you, if you've become cold in your salvation, uh, that's a dangerous place to be. That's called being backslidden. And uh, if you're not careful, uh, you will, you'll, you'll be amazed at how far you can get away from God as a backslidden Christian. You know, there's no limit when you get away from God. There's no limit to how far any of us could go. It's just but the grace of God. And I hope we'll, we'll keep our, our salvation, keep it fresh, and keep it, uh, keep it uh, something that we talk about often. The Johnson sang that song, Did I Mention? Well, I hope you've mentioned it this week. I hope you've told somebody about what Jesus has done in your life and uh, keep it fresh. Number two, we talked about last Sunday night, we talked about the relationship and the love for a spouse. That's the second place in the Bible where the word love is found. It says, and Isaac loved Rebecca. And we talked about that last Sunday night. This morning, I preached a message about love for our children. The Bible talks about how that Isaac loved Esau, but Rebecca loved Jacob. And I preached about that this morning. I know many of you are out on Sunday mornings in junior churches and bus ministry and all of that. Uh, but I would encourage you, if you missed this morning, I'd encourage you to go back. Uh, I talked about some things this morning that I've, I've preached about, but I've never put it all together in one message. And it's amazing when you see uh, the, uh, the mistakes of Isaac and Rebekah that they made with their sons, Jacob and Esau. And then you see the mistakes that Jacob made with his sons and with Joseph and how he loved Joseph more than the others. And, all. and it was a mess. It was a terrible mess. And I think there's some things that we can learn from those uh, stories and some principles about a love that we should have for our children and that relationship. Tonight, I want you to see, and this is not necessarily in any order. The first three are in order of where they're found in the Bible. By the way, the fourth mention of love in the Bible has to do with food. Now, some of you say, say park right there. I'm not going to park right there because if I do, I'll lose you for the rest of the service. You'll be, you'll be goners. 
As a matter of fact, I know I'd lose Brother Dan. He always, he always uh, gets upset when Brother Nathan talks about food in the service. And so anyway, but that's food. We're not going to preach about that. But the Bible talks about that in Genesis 27. Three times it mentions that uh, Esau prepared a meal for his son Isaac. And he did it just the way that he loved it, just the way he liked it. And so uh, food is a good thing. Praise the Lord. Uh, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of great things. One is going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And I don't know what it's going to be, but I know it's going to be good. Tonight, I'd like for you to see quickly number four as we go through love in the Bible. And I'm not going to take a lot of time on each point. I'm going to go quickly. But number four, I'd like to talk about tonight our love for our Savior. The Bible says in Exodus 20, verse number 6, and this is found right in the midst of the Ten Commandments, but it tells us that our God shows mercy unto thousands of them that love Him and keep His commandments. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse number 5, the command is given, and this is so clear. It says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul and with all thy might. Lord, help us tonight as we look at your word. Speak to us and help me to be very clear and help me to say something tonight that would be a help and be a blessing and be a challenge to us as your people. And I pray that you would strengthen our love and help us to love like we should and to love like you desire us to do. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you tonight, are you in that category? God talks about the thousands of them that love him and keep his commandments. I wonder if, if, if God has a list. I wonder if your name would be on that list. I'm not asking, are you saved? Because if you're saved, your name's recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. And, and if you're saved tonight, your name is never removed from that list. Hallelujah. You're saved forever. But I wonder tonight if we could honestly say that we love the Lord with all of our heart with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. This theme, this command, this thought is found over and over again throughout the Bible. I'll give you a couple examples. Psalm 18, verse number 1, David says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Psalm 116, verse 1, David says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. James 1, verse number 12, there is a crown of life that is promised to those that love Jesus. Jude, verse number 21, the command is given to keep yourself in the love of God. Now, friend, I want to tell you something. Uh, it's easy. It's easy to say that we love God. But the Bible says if we love God, there's going to be some evidence in our lives. I'm not talking about a list of rules. I'm not talking about the, I'm not talking about being a, being a part of a cult and, you know, we all, we do this and we do this. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that in the Christian life, there ought to be something real inside. There ought to be a passion. There ought to be a love for God. And that love is going to not stay on the inside. That love's going to come out. People are going to be able to see by, uh, by this, uh, Brother Dan, you, you taught this this morning. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one for another. Don't tell me how much you love God and you hate your brother in Christ. Don't tell me how much you love God and you're critical and you're bitter and you're cynical and you're, you're always mad. and you're No, 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 no. That's not possible. 
Because if you have a love for God, and if I have a love for God, that is going to be evident in other areas of our life. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about that you're, you know, somebody's following you around. No, no, no. I'm just saying there ought to be a love for God that is real and something that starts on the inside. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 John that our love for God can only come because he first loved us. The only way that you can love God, the only way that I can love God is because we have been recipients of God's love for us. I hope you have a love for the Savior. I hope when you leave tonight, I hope that you will examine your heart and hope this week you'll ask yourself, do I love the Lord? Friend, be careful because sometimes what happens is when you get saved, you fall in love with the Lord. But then over time, the Christian life, it just becomes a ritual. It just becomes a routine. If you're not careful, you can come to church on Sunday, not because you love the Lord, but because you're worried about what somebody else might think. Because you're checking a box or because you just want to meet up to a certain status quo. Friend, I want to tell you, there ought to be a love for God. Whether you've been saved for a week, a month, a year, a decade, or a century, there ought to be a love for God that is real. Do you love him tonight? I hope you do. Number five, I see in the book of Leviticus, and this is a, a very, a very interesting passage. But I see in Leviticus chapter 19, I see that there ought to be a love for the stranger. But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Jesus said in the New Testament, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. Remember the story in Luke chapter 10. There was a, a, a man who was making a journey and on that journey he fell among robbers and he was beaten and he was robbed. He was left for dead. And remember there was a, a, a Levite that came by, a priest came by first and a Levite. And then finally the Bible says there was a certain Samaritan that as he journeyed he came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion on him. And Jesus used this example to say that we ought to be like that Samaritan. We ought to be looking for somebody that we can love like we'd want somebody to love us. I see in Luke chapter 10 and verses 30 to 37, you don't have to turn there, but you're welcome to or jot it down for later. I see that we should love people who need help. Did you know there's a lot of people that you'll come in contact with this week? They need help. I'm not talking about necessarily somebody that's standing on the side of the road holding up a cardboard sign with a marker and they write, need money, need food, or whatever. I'm not talking about that necessarily. But here's what I'm saying. There's a lot of people that need help out there. You know, I, I believe that God would have us not to be concerned so much with who's going to help us, but who we can help. There are people that need help. There are people that need hope. I think about that man who he was beaten. He was left for dead. He couldn't get to the doctor. He couldn't get to the hospital. He couldn't help himself. He needed somebody to come and provide some hope. You know, there's a lot of people out there today that they may plaster the smile on or they may try to, you know, come and try to put on a good front. But can I tell you, there's a lot of people out there that are hurting today. You know, they're not getting hope from the news. 
And they're not getting hope from the television. They're not getting hope from the economy. They're not getting hope from the White House. They're not getting hope maybe from, from, from Raleigh. They're not getting hope from those places. But you and I, we know somebody who can give hope. We know somebody who can take a broken life and a messed up life and can transform their life. We know somebody who is the author of hope. Maybe today or maybe this week you need to find somebody who needs some help and help them. Maybe you need to find somebody that needs some hope and hope for, and give them some hope, but maybe you need to find somebody who needs heaven. Of course, the Good Samaritan is a picture of Jesus Christ who, when he saw the multitudes, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. You know why? Because he saw them as sheep that had been scattered abroad that had no shepherd. They had no hope. They had no hope of heaven. But aren't you glad that somebody told you how you could go to heaven? Aren't you glad somebody shared the gospel with you? And this week, let's look for somebody that needs heaven and let's share the good news of the gospel with them this week. Oh, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some money. It's going to take some compassion. The Bible says in the book of Jude that it is compassion that is necessary to make a difference. But may God help us to love people, love the stranger. You could say love the, the down and out. You could say love your neighbor. You can say whoever you want, but we ought to have a love for God and a love for people. Number six, I'd like to say quickly, we ought to have as Christians, we ought to have a love for the scriptures. Now, I, I, I've said this many times in our school chapels, and uh, I, of course, I, I love our school, and I'm so thankful. I had the privilege to go to a Christian school. Uh, my dad was a Christian school teacher for 20 years, then he became a pastor, and he pastored for about 20 years. But I had the opportunity to go to a Christian school. Uh, many in this room, you did not have that opportunity, and many of you, if you would have had that opportunity, you would have, you would have thought you died and went to heaven. I mean, what an opportunity it is. And I thank God for our teachers, and I thank God for our school, and I thank God for our church members who have given and sacrificed, and, and people who have volunteered, and people who have done everything to keep that school. It's a miracle school. But here's the danger sometimes when you go to a Christian school. You grow up in a good home. You go to Sunday school. You go to junior church. You go on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and you go to Master Club and you go to the teen group and you go to the Victory Bible class or you go to the Saints Alive or you go to the Crossroads or you go to the Graceful Ladies and, and you're in church and you hear the Bible over and over and over and over again. And here's what happens. There's times where you feel like, I've already heard that. I already know that. As a matter of fact, I'll be telling a Bible story sometimes, and Brother Charles with Master Clubs, I know you all have this, and Brother uh, Curry and Miss Cindy and some of you. I, I, know that, I know that you've had this before, where you're telling the story, and as you're telling the story, you're thinking, I hope I got that right, because these children probably know the story better than I do. I've been there before, absolutely. And you're thinking, oh, man. And, and, and so the danger is, we know it. We've heard it. We've heard it hundreds of thousands of times. I, I think about uh, uh, Becca and Abby and your brothers, and I think about uh, people that have grown up in preacher's homes. And you not only know the message, you know the illustration before it gets going, you know? And you hope the illustration's not going to be about you, but sometimes it is, you know? And here's the danger. The danger is that we get to a point where this book 
is no longer precious. We get to a point where we don't love the Bible like we should. It's just all facts. It's just all information. But friend, this is not just a textbook. This book is not just a manual for your job. This is not just a, a manual for your business. This book right here is a book that is alive. It is powerful. It is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is quick and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll pierce to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This book right here, you and I need to fall in love with this book over and over and over again. You can't read the Bible. Just say, well, I guess I got to read it today. I have to read the Bible. I'm a Sunday school teacher. You know, what if I don't read the Bible? You know, I'm a, uh, I'm a master club worker. And I guess if I don't read the Bible, no, 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 no. We ought to fall in love with it. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 119. I've been going through Psalm 119 in our uh, radio broadcast, The Winning Side. And it's been amazing, it's amazing over and over and over again in this one psalm, how many times David talks about his love for the Bible. Now, here's the amazing thing. David, when he was referring to the Bible, he was referring to the first five books of the Old Testament. He was referring to the law of Moses. Now, friend, I want to tell you, Genesis and Exodus and, 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 and Numbers, Deuteronomy, you got, you got some pretty exciting stuff, but then you got the genealogies and Numbers. And then you got the book of Leviticus. You're just trying to work your way through that. You're just trying to figure out which way is up. But David said, I love the law of the Lord. Notice with me, if you would, in Psalm 119, verse number 47, I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. Verse number uh, 97. Uh, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 113, verse 119, verse 127, verse 140, verse 159, verse 163, verse 165, verse 167. Every one of those verses. David talks about how much he loves the word of God. I want to ask you tonight, do you love the Bible? Uh, has the Bible become old? Has it become routine? Has it become a bore? Has it become drudgery? Has it become just kind of a, a, a habit that you just go through the motions? I hope not, because we need the Bible. We must fall in love with the Word of God again. A few years ago, we had our theme was all about the Bible. And Miss Grace designed that, that beautiful uh, uh, banner for us and all of that. And Brother Nathan, you remember how many Sunday nights it seemed like we would we'd get our Bibles out. All right, here we go. Sing it out. I love the old Bible. Well, we had a good time with that. We'd sing the Bible stands like a rock. No, friend, I want to tell you, you've got to get in the Bible. You've got to fall in love with the Bible. Uh, what you do with this book will determine what God does with you. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. I see a love for the scriptures, number seven. I see a love for the sanctuary. That's the church. Ephesians 5, verse number 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Did you know the things that you love you will make those a priority in your life. You don't have to tell me that you love the church. You don't have to tell anybody you love the church. 
we all know. Because if it's a priority, you're telling us that you love it. We see a love for the sanctuary. The things I love, I want more of, not less of. Hebrews 10, 25, the Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, when I come to church, I don't want to come to church just to show up, just to get through it. I want to come to church to get something out of it. I want to come to church and, and I want there to be an impact that is made in my life. I want to get something from the preaching. I want to get something from the singing. I want to get something from the fellowship. You say, well, is that all you want to do is get something out of church? No, I'd kind of like to do something for the church too. But I certainly want God to work and I want God to speak to me. I don't want to leave the same as when I came in. I, I try and every week of my life I make visits. This last week I made a whole lot more visits than normal. We've got a lot of folks in the hospital. We've got a lot of folks in the nursing homes. You know what's amazing to me when you go to the hospital or you go to the nursing home? You know what people almost always bring up? I miss church. I wish I could be in church. I wish I could get there. You know what breaks my heart is when I think about people that could come to church that don't. Now, I understand. I understand with work schedules these days. I understand all that. But I'll be honest with you. There's nothing on television that's more important than what goes on at church on Sunday nights. Uh, there, is, there is no, and by the way, I thank the Lord. I told you I love food. There's no restaurant in town that couldn't wait, that you couldn't miss out on to come to church on Wednesday night or Sunday night or Sunday morning, whatever the case may be. I want to tell you, I love the church. David talked about in the Psalms, he talked about how much he loved going to the house of God. There were times when David was not physically able to go to church. There were times when he was on the run from Saul. There was times when he was on the run from Absalom and he couldn't be there. And he would talk about how much he longed for it and how much he desired and how much he craved just being in church. Friend, I don't want to come to the end of my life and say, man, I wish I would have gone to church. I want to come to the end of my life and I want to say, I'm glad I went to church. I'm glad I served God. I'm glad I worshiped God. I'm glad I was a part of a church that did something for the Lord. Don't take for granted the opportunities that you have every week to be in the house of God and to worship Him. Now here's what I wanted to get to, Ephesians chapter 5. Jesus loved the church. Verse number 25. I think if Jesus loved the church, I think that's pretty safe to say the church is important. Jesus loved the church. But then the Bible says that Jesus gave himself for the church. You know, there's some things that you love or you say you love, but when you give yourself to it, when you sacrifice yourself for it, when you give of what you have for it, you are showing that that matters to you. Jesus gave himself for the church. But then I see this in verse number uh, 27. Jesus has a purpose for the church. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You see, that's why a Christian ought to be holy. 
Because that's the goal. That's what Jesus desires. That's what he died for. He died so that the church would not just be a social club. Not just that the church is a building where we come and we hang out and we all share our opinions and we do what we want to do. No, but the church is a place where Jesus Christ is worshipped and where the word of God is preached. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Then I see this, and uh, I, I've, I've read this verse so many times, but look at verse 29. The Bible says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. You know what Jesus is doing right now for his church? He is nourishing his church. That word nourish, it means to, to rear something up to a point of maturity. Now, I'm going to say this as kindly as I know how. But Jesus loves you too much to let you get saved and to then stay a baby in Christ for your entire Christian life. That's not the goal. The goal is not to spend the rest of your life and say, well, I got saved, praise the Lord. I've never grown. I've never matured. I've never learned anything. I've never served. I've never told anybody about Jesus. I've never helped anybody. I've never encouraged anybody, but praise God, I'm saved. I'm glad you're saved. But that's not the goal, just to stay a baby in Christ. Jesus is trying to nourish you to a point of maturity. That's his desire for the church. But then it says this. It says that he nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. The word cherish, it means to keep something warm, to cherish with tender love. You know how this church is going to stay warm? You know how this church is going to stay alive? You know how this church is going to stay healthy? You know how this church is going to grow? Because we've got the one that started the church, Jesus Christ, who is nourishing and cherishing it. I want to be a part of something that Jesus is nourishing. I want to be a part of something that Jesus himself is cherishing. He's keeping it warm. He's, he's, he's shedding his love. and He's bestowing his love upon his church. Jesus loved the church. And friend, if Jesus loved the church, I think we ought to love the church also. I'll close with this. And this is the last thing I've been trying to get to for the last two weeks. Number eight, and I'm done. I see there's something else that we all should love, and that is the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You say, what's his appearing? That's when he comes back. And we ought to have a love for the return of Jesus Christ. Titus 2 says it like this. We are looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. When I was a boy, I went to the same church from the age of one. We, my family moved to Rockford, Illinois, moved back to Rockford, Illinois when I was one. And we moved from Rockford when I was 16. So about 15 years of my life as a boy, I went to the same church. Pastor Melvin Swanson was the pastor of the Berean Baptist Church in Rockford, Illinois. 
He pastored that church for 57, 57, 58 years, same church. And he preached, and I was telling somebody recently about this, but uh, when he preached Sunday mornings, it was a good, it was a good 40 minutes of preaching. And uh, the whole, like, get done at noon, they, uh, preachers, preachers when, I was, when I was growing up, they didn't know that rule. And I don't really know it either, but, you know, I, 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 you know, I shoot for it, you know. But we didn't get done at noon. But let me tell you something. Sunday night, you could just throw the clock away. My pastor, he'd get up and preach. And he would, and by the way, he was a timid guy. He was a quiet guy. But when he got behind the pulpit, he would let loose. And I will tell you, I, I remember so many Sunday nights. I remember him preaching. I remember him hitting that pulpit. I remember him stomping his feet. And I remember him talking about Jesus is coming again. And I want to tell you, he is coming again. You say, but that was 30-some years ago as a boy that you heard your pastor saying, Jesus is coming again. But friend, I want to tell you, he's still coming. You say, but he hasn't come yet. I know, but he's 30 years closer now. The Bible says that we ought to have a love for his appearing. It means you ought to live every day. You ought to anticipate every day that Jesus could come back. When I was 16, we moved to Geneseo, Illinois, just a, a small little town in the middle of the cornfields in northwest Illinois. And that little white clapboard church, First Baptist Church, uh, 327 South Center Street. We've got a lot of folks in here. You remember that building. And on that building, at the end of that little building, there was a sign. It was a neon sign. It was kind of the joke. People, you know, from a distance, you'd think, is that a bar or what is that thing? And then they get closer. They, oh, that's not a bar. But somebody, I don't know who did it, but somebody at some point had a sign made, a neon sign at the end of that little white clapboard building there on the, the corner of Center Street and Pearl Street, uh, Kitty Corner from the town square. And that sign said, Jesus is coming. Are you ready? And friend, I want to tell you, he's coming. I hope we're ready. Uh, if you're not saved, you're not ready. If you're not right with the Lord, you're not ready. Let's get ready. And let's love and let's anticipate the second coming of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.